0: Well, I have this theory that if you don't deal with your money, your money will deal with you.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Medical Women Podcast, the podcast from the Medical Women's Federation, the largest body of women doctors in the UK. I'm Dr. Nathana Bayankaram, I'm the Vice President of MWF, and I have the honor and joy of being your host, as each week we hear from wonderful guests to help you feel more empowered and confident on your medical career journey. Hello, everyone. Now, I don't know about you, but during the current climate with the cost of living crisis, I found that I've been thinking about money quite a lot, and it's something that my colleagues and I have been speaking about at work as well. On the podcast, we have done previous episodes about finance and money mindset, but I thought it'd be helpful for us to cover this topic again. This week's guest is best-selling author and money mentor and therapist, Barbara Houston. Barbara has written seven books about money, including Prince Charming Isn't Coming, The Secrets of Six-Figure Women, and her latest book, Rewire for Wealth. In this episode, we speak about why it's important that as women, we become empowered to manage our wealth. Barbara's top tips for how we get started with habit and behaviour change. And she shares her experience of working with medical women. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you do too. I have to say I was quite nervous because I've been reading Barbara's books and there's something quite magical about getting to speak to somebody whose books you've been reading. So that was really exciting for me. Don't forget there's still time to register for our MWF RSM event next Monday, the 13th of February and for the mwf conference on the 17th of march i'll pop links to both the events in the show notes i really hope you enjoy the episode it is a little bit different to our usual episodes so do let me know how it lands it's always really nice to hear from you and if you tell me what you'd like and you know things that you'd like to hear more about then we we definitely do incorporate that as we plan the episodes so thanks so much for listening and sharing and i hope you enjoyed this week's episode So I'm so excited today that our guest is Barbara Houston, who is a um a best-selling author and a money coach. And I've read her books and I'm just really excited to speak to her. So welcome to the podcast, Barbara. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, so I guess it would be helpful if we could start by um, if you could introduce yourself to our listeners who, who might not know you. Okay. Um, so I
0: am a Financial therapist and wealth coach, and author, and I have been doing this work for uh, almost thirty years. And honestly, Nusena, if anyone had told me that this is, I'd be empowering women financially, I would have told them they were crazy. I grew up wealthy, and the only advice my parents ever, ever gave me about money was, "Don't worry, don't worry." Which I thought was great advice. Under that, of course, was the unspoken assumption. uh, There'll always be a man to take care of you. And there always was. There was my father and then there was my husband uh, who was a stockbroker. So it was perfect, right? But I found out very early in my marriage that he was a compulsive gambler. And I find out every year, many times a year, for 15 years that he was gambling my money, my inheritance away. And here's the insane part. I continued to let him manage it because that's how terrified I was and and intimidated by anything financial. Finally, after 15 years, we got a divorce. But I just, and so so I said, I, I need to learn about money. So I read the books, I went to classes, I did all the things you're supposed to do. And it's like my eyes would glaze over, my brain would fog up and I just felt, there's just this was impossible. So I decided money's not my thing. I do not want to deal with money. Well, I have this theory that if you don't deal with your money, your money will deal with you. and and maybe some people know what I'm talking about. In the next year, I got tax bills for way over a million dollars for back taxes my ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. I didn't have anything close to a million dollars. My ex had left the country, I was left holding the bag, and my father would not lend me the money. And that's when I knew I had to get smart, I had to. I, I had three daughters, young daughters, one was a baby. I was not gonna raise those girls in the street. So I went back to the books, I went back to the classes, and I still couldn't get it, but I was committed. And I really believe when you are committed, like down to your toes, no back door, the universe revolves to help you reach your goal. And I was a journalist at the time writing for the San Francisco Business Times. And I was hired for a freelance project to interview women who were smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. They changed my life. I not only got smart about money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How Women Get Smart About Money. And now here I am, seven books later, talking to you as an expert on finances.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm actually reading um Prince Charming Isn't Coming at the moment as part of a book club that um one of my friends and oh. colleagues, Dr. Nikki Ramskill, is running. Oh um, cool. So so there's quite a, a few of us all um all reading the book at the moment. And as you said, it's it's so interesting the way you describe like what happened on your 21st birthday and how it was all mm-hmm. I mean, it all sounds wonderful, but It was, you know, and then quite quickly um, after you got married, things took a a different turn. So it's really interesting, I think, reading your story. So thank you, first of all, for, for writing and sharing it.
0: Oh, well, thank you for reading it and for having your book club reading it. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, I think she is going to put Rewire for Wealth on on one of the future months for for the book club as well. Oh, um, cool. So, so we're, we're just reading all of your books, Barbara. Um, <laughs> um, but you were saying as a, as a money therapist, and it's mainly women that you work with, isn't it?
0: Exclusively with women. Exclusively with women. I worked with a couple of the husbands, but really, I'm focused on women because I I really think women have very different issues and very different yeah very different issues when it comes to money
1: yeah can we can we explore that a little bit
0: yeah so you know uh when I wrote that first book and I was interviewing I interviewed I don't know almost probably a hundred women who were smart with money but what I realized is no one pops out of the womb knowing about money what Every one of these women had to do with come to terms with their power. I have come to believe that it is our fear or ambivalence about power that keeps us financially uh, unstable or financially avoiding. Because my definition of a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants. And expresses that in the world, unapologetically. So essentially, our fear of power is our fear of becoming fully who we're meant to be—to be, to be the—to be the brightest light we can be, instead of watering ourselves down so we don't make waves, like so many of us do. And so I think I remember <laughs> I remember saying to a, a psychologist early in my career. Why do you think women are so afraid of their power? And she said, well, think about it. Powerful women have been burned at the stake. And Mm -hmm. I think historically, in fact, for many of us, even in this current life, but historically powerful women have suffered dire consequences for exercising power, for being who they are, for speaking up and asking for what they wanted.
1: Yeah, that's that's so true. So it's kind of just been um, entrenched in in society for for millennia, really. Um, it's, it's part of our collective unconscious. It's mm-hmm. just there.
0: And so when I work with women, the the practical, you know, the the practical mechanics of money is the easy part. What I found is that really financial success is a four pronged process. It's in the outer work of wealth. The inner work of wealth, the higher work of wealth, and the deeper work of wealth. So when people, when, when women come to me and they just can't, you know, it's the practical is understanding the difference between the stock and a bond or how to negotiate. But when you can't do that, which most, which why was people come to me, then you've got to do the inner work. What, what are their attitudes, beliefs, and early decisions they've made about themselves and money? Those are what's often what's holding them back. And then there's the higher work because we women once we are financially stable once we have food on the table a roof over our heads we're very rarely motivated by money or money's sake. Hmm. what motivates us is the opportunity to help others to give back to our community to do what we're on this planet to do and that to me is the higher work that's the spiritual aspect then how can you pursue your purpose do what you're here to do if you're struggling with debt or struggling to make ends meet and then there is the deeper work which is the mind brain connection which is what my latest book is about
1: yes could you speak a little bit more about that barbara yes yeah, so
0: um so i like i like i said i've been doing this work for uh um just about 30 years now And about six or seven years ago, I started getting this feeling, this insistent feeling that something was missing. And it just kind of took over and I started losing interest in my work and I just couldn't figure out what it was. And I got very confused, so I I took some time. I just took some time off. I kind of cleared my schedule and I did a lot of praying and I just said, okay. what is this is something missing or am i meant to stop working i wasn't sure and then one day i'm sitting at my computer i look at my email and there is an article on neuroscience and i knew nothing about neuroscience but i read that article and i swear to god i swear my i think my brain lit up like a christmas tree saying this is it this is the missing piece so i spent a good five years studying neuroscience combining it with everything else i did and realizing this was definitely a missing piece so what i realized is our behavior it's our brain which is a physical organ in our head you know, it's a little 3 pound organ and the brain controls our behavior every choice we make every decision we make every action we take is controlled by our brain changing the brain is an exhausting difficult process because our brain is shaped by our mind and our mind is a non-physical organ the source of thoughts and feelings so all our every time you have a thought every time you have a feeling it goes to your brain and it talks to the cells and the cells start talking to each other and it creates a neural pathway and soon if you repeat that thought enough it becomes a deeply embedded neural pathway and thus, so if you wanna change someone's behavior, you work on changing their thoughts and their feelings. And so I created, took years, a very, very simple three-step process. Very, very simple to train your mind, to rewire your brain for wealth, well-being, whatever you want. So if you'd like I can very briefly mention three steps. Yep, that would be great. So these three steps are so simple but in the beginning it takes massive effort because your brain it's a stubborn little creature. Your brain does not want to change and it's very difficult. So if you these steps must be done consistently over and over again and within 2 to 3 weeks if you are consistent you will be amazed at the change. So the three steps are recognize, reframe, and respond differently. Recognize, reframe, respond differently. So let's say you're always thinking there's never enough. Let's say and there's never enough, or or for many women I'm not enough, and you think that thought over and over again. So that's been wired in your brain. Maybe you heard your parents say, uh. That there's never enough. So it's been wired in your brain for a long time. And maybe you heard your teacher say you're not enough. It that's been wired in your brain. So to change that programming, to change that hard wiring, you need to start noticing those unhealthy, those negative, those unwanted thoughts, like there's never enough. But you recognize, you recognize them a certain way. You recognize them with curiosity. Like you, you have that feeling, oh God, there's not enough. Notice, recognize. And then you say, isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about there never being enough. So what you just did is you changed it from I am a fact to separating it with I'm having a thought about. It's not the truth because the thought is not the truth. It's just a thought. So you separate yourself from the thought Isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about not being enough. The second step is you reframe that thought to what you'd rather the thought turn into. So reframe is like you ask yourself, how can I see this differently? How can I see this differently? And you create an affirmation. So let's say I'm not enough. Is that that's just, It always comes to you and you just feel terrible and you feel terrible about yourself and you find yourself thinking, I'm not enough. And you go, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought. I'm not enough. How can I see it differently? I reframe it by, I have everything it takes. Or I'm plenty. I have more than enough. Or this is so easy. Just anything that you can say with feeling. Now, you won't believe it. You absolutely will not believe it at first. But here's the trick. If you repeat that affirmation over and over, every time you have that thought, you shift it. What happened is that neural pathway that says, I'm not enough or there's not enough, starts weakening. It just grows weaker. And the new neural pathway that says, I'm more than enough. I have what it takes. I can handle this. It starts building and it starts becoming stronger. And the way it builds and the way it becomes stronger is the third step is by responding differently, that you respond as if that new belief, that new affirmation is true. So you do what you're not used to doing. You do what is not normal for you. You do what is probably very uncomfortable and you won't want to do it, but you do it enough times and it starts feeling like your new normal. So did that make sense the way I described it?
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, for our audience who um, range from medical students to retired doctors, I think it's also helpful framework for us as well when we're um, when we speaking to patients and thinking about behaviour change that this is this is what we're trying to influence. We're trying to influence changing from from one really strong neural pathway into into a new neural pathway. Exactly, exactly. So just telling them to stop
0: eating sugar. <laughs> It's not going to work because they need their bodies become dependent on sugar. Exactly, you have to help them rewire that brain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What would be really interesting, Barbara, is is to explore a little bit about because I I imagine you get all sorts of different people coming to you for um, coaching and for financial therapy. Do do you get a lot of medical women coming to you? A lot, no, but I definitely have definitely
0: have had doctors. Mm -hmm. and nurses and a lot if you count therapists a lot of therapists um but yes I do um and the, the doctors that I've worked with are just so damn busy they're just so busy it's like I don't even have time for this I don't have time for one more thing on my schedule
1: yeah and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will will resonate with that but so, so when, when people are feeling like they don't have time, how, how can we empower medical women to, to make some time to, to think about this? Because as you say, sometimes I think people feel like, oh, this is another thing that I need to sort right. out.
0: And that's why th- th- this research shows that most women do not get serious about making more or managing their money until they hit a crisis until and, so, and that's when a lot of people come see me because with the they lose their job they lose a spouse or they're on the brink of retirement which is the worst time. Mm-hmm. so you have to find a reason you have to have a why why do you want this to say I want more money but then you're busy and it, it's it's hard they're not motivated to find time. so it's finding what will the money give you what will it do for you? why do you want it for me? For me, I I wanted to become financially successful. Honestly, it was so hard. I just, I had children and I did not want my three daughters to grow up to be like me. And that was my reason. Even though I had a crisis, I still, it was so scary for me. And the thing is, money seems so overwhelming. It seems so scary. When you get right down to it, it doesn't take a lot of time to learn. It doesn't take a lot of money to create wealth, and it's never, ever, ever too late to start. And I'll tell you, I'll give you three steps. I call it the Busy Woman's Guide to Financial Success. So if you want to understand money, this is what I did, because I was just so intimidated by it. I did these three steps, and I'm telling you, you do these three steps, you will be amazed in the next three to four months how different your relationship with money would be. So the first step, because it's really small steps consistently taken. You know, I tried to read all these big books and take these classes and do, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I went overwhelmed. But But when I broke it down into tiny, small steps, it, it, it changed everything. Every day, read something about money, even if it's just for one minute, even if you just take the headlines of the business section of the paper or the Financial Times or whatever, whatever, and you just read the headlines. Because, or you're standing in line at the market and you instead of picking up a gossip magazine, you pick up a money magazine. Or before you go to bed, you read one paragraph in a financial book. Because so much of getting smart or smarter is just familiarizing yourself with the jargon and the current terms. So every day, read something about money, even if it's just for a minute, every week, have a conversation about money, especially with someone who knows more than you. I think it is our secrecy and silence that keeps so many women stuck. I mean, when was the last time you sat down with a girlfriend or a family member or a colleague and who was smart about money and said, said, how did you get smart? What did you do? What was the best advice you were given? What's the worst mistake you made? What's the smartest thing you did? What advice would you have for me? What books did you read? Ask questions, start talking. And that that's what I did. I just after interviewing those women, I saw how much I learned. So I just started asking everyone, "Can I pick your brain? Can I ask you questions?" And people on on the whole were really generous about talking and liked to talk about it. So every day read, every week talk, and every month save automatically, automatically have money transferred from your checking account or your payroll check to a savings account. Because and do it automatically, it's mindless investment. The bank will do it just automatically, they'll take a certain amount of money out of your checking account into your savings. It's getting in the habit of savings. And that's the first step to creating wealth.
1: Thank you, Barbara. That's a really helpful um, process and really great that you broke it down into really small steps because, you know, one minute every day, I think a lot of the time we don't do, we don't do things because we think, oh, I need 30 minutes to do a workout and I don't have that much time or I need two hours to sit and read this finance book, but just one minute, we can commit to doing one minute of something every day. So I think that's, that's a really great tip what, um, what I, w- I was going to ask is um, is if we could touch a little bit about negotiation because you mentioned that in passing earlier that sometimes people come to you for um, for coaching on that. I think that's something that we we don't really get taught as as medics. And whilst we're undergoing our training when we're junior doctors, we we don't get to negotiate a salary, you get told this is your rotor, this is how much you're being paid. And then you finish your training. Suddenly you're a consultant, and that's when you first have to go and negotiate a job plan and, and various other things. So it would be great if you could share some some advice on on negotiation for us.
0: Uh, yeah. So women are so scared to ask for more. I mean, it's been documented over and over again. Men, it in it, it's like it, Men walk in the room. They walk in the office. They walk to their their employer, and they feel entitled, and they're they're willing to take the risk. Women walk in and they feel flawed or they feel insecure, and they tend to hold back. So ask for more than you know you will get. If there's a range, ask for the top of the range and more, because you can you can you always negotiate. Now you can never negotiate it up, and once you negotiate that starting salary. That is important because that's going to follow you all the way down your career. HR people, they expect negotiation. They expect it. So one of the things that helps my clients is to practice. To practice with a friend, to practice in front of the mirror. And the other thing is to really have documentation that says why you deserve to be paid that. Examples of how you've added value in the past, what you've done, things that document your worth. The most important thing, the most important thing is to to know your worth. Sometimes that just means standing in front of the mirror and saying, you are so worth it. Just really giving yourself a pep talk because we tend to diminish, self depreciate so often. And that's, it's the confidence that is the key factor of negotiation more than anything. You can fake it until you make it. Just act as if. Those things really work. For women I've interviewed, for my Secrets of Six-Figure book, and for women I, I interviewed who made millions, it was faking it till you make it, that even if you don't feel you deserve it, you ask for it.
1: Yep, yeah, you're you're so right. Because so much of the time, it's it's us and like the voices in our heads that that hold us back rather than rather than anybody else.
0: It's always the voices in our head that hold <laughs> us back. It is always, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent of the time. I mean, okay, you're gonna get to where the salary set, and you have no choice. That, that 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 absolutely happens. But I I remember in my when my book which, which one of my books came out, and my publisher. Uh, penguin. It was, oh, it was Prince Charming. My editor told me that they were really mad at me because they had uh um, one of their key editors went in and asked for a raise. And they said, We're sorry, it's fixed. The salaries are fixed, there's no raise. She went and she found another job offer and she came back and she said, I got this job offer. Will you say if you give me the raise or I'm leaving? They gave her the raise. So one thing I learned is no just means not now no just
1: means not now so don't give up trying I love that no just means not now that's that's brilliant so Barbara I just have some quick fire questions for you if that's okay the first question that I normally ask everybody is uh, for a book recommendation which always seems funny when I'm talking to an author but is there any book I I will of course put the list of of your books in the show notes but are there are there any other books that you think that everybody should read?
0: Well, the book that changed my life is a spiritual book. It's called A Course in Miracles. That changed my life. It changed my life with, with money. It changed my life with men. It changed my life with relationships. It changed my life with my children.
1: Wonderful. Is there anything that you know now that you wish you'd known earlier on in your career?
0: Oh, my God. The number one thing, and I learned it from the women I interviewed, that Success in anything always lies just outside your comfort zone. So if you want to succeed in anything, the key is to do what you fear. Success always lies on the other side of fear. And I used to let fear stop me until I talked to these successful women who felt just like me. They were scared. They had self-doubt. But they didn't let it stop them. And the moment I didn't let my fear stop me, the moment I just let it be there, I didn't stop the fear but i didn't let the fear stop me and i went ahead that's when my finances changed
1: amazing and i think it's in from from reading one of your newsletters where you had said you know we, you need to you need to get out of our comfort zones and get used to asking sort of scary questions I I read that and thought, oh, okay, well, I'll I'll contact Barbara and my scary thing for this week would be asking if she'll come on my podcast. And I was delighted that that you said yes. So thank you so much. And
0: and, and when you do that scary thing,
1: how does it feel? Uh, how does it feel? It didn't actually feel that scary because I thought, well, the worst that can happen is that she'll say no, but at least I will have asked her. <laughs> And then, and then when, when they say yes, it's like, oh, wow, this is great. I'm so
0: glad I asked. Yeah. And even for me, like I'm doing a project now that is really scaring me, like really scaring me. It's so outside my comfort zone. But I figure even if it doesn't work, I am so proud of myself for doing it, mm. so proud of myself for attempting it. It's like raising my confidence.
1: Absolutely. Oh, well, my last quickfire question is a question that I'm borrowing from a group of children who work with the Royal College of Pediatrics. And, and they came up with this question when they were interviewing for the Royal College president role. So the question is, if you were a type of biscuit, what type of biscuit would you be and why? And you probably have different biscuits in the US, but yeah. that's fine. No, you can I, choose. I'm one. not going
0: to try to find that. Yeah, I'd be a soft one. I'd be a real soft and chewy one. Uh, I like being soft. I like being I like being easy, easy to chew,
1: easy to chew. I love that. Easy to digest. (laughs) Easy to try digest. That's brilliant. Well, you are an author and your books are are very easy to digest. So I think that's very fitting. (laughs) Oh, Barbara, thank you so much. I hope that everybody feels really inspired um, and empowered after listening. So thank you so much, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Medical Women podcast. Make sure to subscribe for free on whichever podcast platform you listen on so that you automatically get our episodes. The aim of this podcast is to support and empower as many medical women in their careers as we possibly can. So please share this episode with at least one other medical woman. If you're interested in joining the Medical Women's Federation, we would love to have you and all links to our website and social media are in the show notes. This podcast has been produced on behalf of the Medical Women's Federation by Dr. Nathana Byankarim and Miss Jenna Mackenzie. Our music was composed and played by Dr. Kaithki Bayankaram. Thank you so much for listening.